0: It's always nice when you have a friend who is a bona fide expert in something, just about anything really, but especially if you could use a little friendly advice. And when it comes to finances and building wealth, many people just need a good place to start. And the easiest way is to create a budget.
1: Um, This is what I have going out. This is what I have coming in. And then it forces me to make a cost-benefit analysis of everything.
0: Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Muma, and you're listening to Management Decisions on LJN Radio. For this episode, we're speaking with our friends at Zarka Financial, more specifically, senior financial planner Chuck Conrad. He's here to share the types of basic financial tips that he'd share with his own friends, just like us. Thanks for joining us again, Chuck. Well, thanks for having me, Tim. Of course. I mean, it's great having all of you guys on over there from Zarka Financial. And we always do a nice job of mixing up the topics. And another intriguing one here that you brought up, and that's the idea of sharing some financial tips with friends. And the place to start really is, I'm sure a lot of people wonder, how often are your friends asking you about some financial advice?
1: Well, I have uh, some friends that ask me pretty regularly. But what, what surprises me is that most of them don't really. Uh, and and I think the reason why they don't is because they don't think that they have enough money Hmm. to really justify the questions. (laughs) So it, it, it's almost like they feel guilty if they have a question, you know, I'm sorry to bother you. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, I was thinking about doing this. What are your thoughts? Um, and in, in, doing so in thinking, well, I don't have enough money for this really to make an impact. Um, I think it's pretty short-sighted because they fail to understand that making better choices today can really lead to that increased wealth in the future. Sure. Um, You know, you don't just uh, magically create a million dollars unless you win the lottery or something like that. (laughs) Um, It takes a lot of uh, planning and some choices along the way to, to help get you there.
0: Now, do you think that's a mentality of a lot of people who just feel like, well, unless you have lots of things in your estate or you're making a ton of money, that it's not really for you that you just kind of go about your business and you'll figure it out in the long run?
1: I, I think that's the mentality of a lot of people. They fail to understand that if you, you know, in, in the Army, we we had a saying, remember the five Ps, prior planning prevents poor performance, mm-hmm. and, and they fail to understand um that it's a journey. The, the wealth building is a journey and, and not necessarily a destination. And when they start to view it as just a destination, they become paralyzed hmm. and they just think that it's their, their lot in life to, you know, be living paycheck to paycheck right. or, um, you know, not necessarily, uh, planning for retirement in, in the manner that, uh, that they should be. Okay, uh, and, and then for a lot of people, their own retirement and their own demise is something, the thought of it is absolutely foreign to them. Hmm. Um, you know, we we have a tendency to think that we're invincible. Sure. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a fitness freak and I work out every day. Um, so it's very easy to think that I'm going to live forever because I take care of myself. Um, but I could be doing cardio tomorrow and have a heart attack and I'm gone. Hmm. I mean that stuff
0: happens to people, right, right.
1: and and we fail to to really take that into consideration.
0: For those people that would be interested in you know, at least maybe getting a start, or they do want to create some wealth, whether it's your friends or whomever, where is a good place to get started? How can they really get on that positive path?
1: I think the first thing you have to do is create a budget. Mm-hmm. Let's say I'm going on a road trip, uh, and I I plug into my navigator the address of where I'm going, it gives me step-by-step instructions as to how to get there. Right. That is far more effective than just getting in my car and heading west. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I feel like I'm getting close, maybe I'll head north.
0: Yeah, I think it's a um, good idea. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, why not? Uh, oh, there's the lake. I'll just head that <laughs> way. You know, there are easier ways to do it. And, and the easiest way is to create a budget. Um, this is what I have going out this is what I have coming in. Um, and then it forces me to make a cost benefit analysis of everything. Mm. So if my if my budget says that my fixed expenses are $4,000 a month and my income coming in is $4,200 a month, uh, first of all, kudos to me for having a surplus. But then it allows me to sit down and say, Uh, Well, you you know, my cable bill is $230, Mm -hmm. and it's $230 because I have Wi-Fi throughout the house, and I have uh, three or four premium packages for TV, and as I think about it, I really don't watch any of those premium channels that I have. So if I were to get rid of those premium channels, my fixed expenses would you know, we'll go from 4000 to 3850 And that's an extra $150 uh, that I can have that I can allocate to retirement or I can allocate to a savings account sure. that I otherwise wouldn't do. To trim some of your expenses, but then allocate those funds to an objective, uh, whether it's a savings or uh, retirement. But oftentimes what we do is If I if I trim it by one hundred and fifty dollars, the mentality is that's one hundred fifty dollars more that I have to spend. Right. And we have a tendency to not keep track of what we're spending money on so that one hundred fifty dollars gets spent three times each month.
0: Hmm.
1: And we think in our own mind that we're we're okay because this is money that we've saved by uh, reducing the cable bill. Right. Uh, So there are there are plenty of ways that we can trim expenses we can negotiate on our cell phone contract uh, with our cable bill and figure out you know what we really need what we don't need um, on our cell phone bill if we've got um, I don't know 12 gigabytes of data and we realize that we use our phone doing google searches etc <laughs> um, most of the time at our house and we're on our house wi-fi anyway right so we've got 12 gigabytes of data, but we're only using two gigabytes each month. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good opportunity to to reflect and say, y- you know, uh, the likelihood of me going over on my data isn't very high. Uh, and if I have to in one month, if I go over and I have to spend $15, maybe that's better than the $30 a month uh, for 12 months that I'm spending by uh, by almost creating an insurance
0: policy of not going over. I guess on the flip side of that, I think those are some great little tips as far as helping to cut some costs and people oftentimes, as you said, sort of overlook those areas. What about areas that you would encourage your friends to avoid spending on? So where would you tell them, you know, these are some places that it's just not worth it as far as what you're sending out on a monthly basis?
1: A couple of areas, cell phones. All right. I am tied to my cell phone. So when I'm not in the office, my work email comes to my cell phone. I have clients that call me on my cell phone. It serves as uh, my Internet uh, connection when I have to do some research and I'm out and about. I read books from my cell phone. I am tied to my phone. All right. And when I go get a new phone... Somebody at uh, the cell phone store will encourage me to buy insurance because my phone is absolutely necessary to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, heaven forbid I drop my phone and uh, it shatters and then I have to go buy a new phone at seven or $800. Well, I haven't broken a phone yet. <laughs> All right. Now, I know there are people out there who have and I have uh, a screen protector and I have uh, a case that I can put my phone in. Uh, I haven't broken a phone yet. Now, my phone has died on me before hmm. uh, because it was too old. But it, it really doesn't make sense to me to spend that money on a warranty for my phone to increase my monthly expenses or to pay a significant amount of pocket uh, out-of-pocket up front mm-hmm. for an event that isn't likely to happen. Hmm. And when it does happen, now, you know, having had this conversation, I'm pretty sure that um, I'm going to drop my phone today and it's going to shatter. Yep. yep. Um, (laughs) So let's say that happens and I go to my uh, cell phone provider and say, I need a new phone. Uh, The one-time expense of that new phone, uh, or if I decide to, uh, you know, lump it into my my monthly bill Mm -hmm. uh, as they're... You know, quickly trying to get us to do um, to make it seem less painful. It's much easier to to overcome that initial burden than it is to you know increase all of these expenses with these hidden costs uh, for insurance, etc. That we may not need. Right. So if my cell phone breaks, then I've got money in savings because I've been budgeting properly. I can go buy a new phone. If my cell phone never breaks. Then um, the money that I would have spent on insurance, um, you know, that goes into my savings account and it stays there. Right. Um, so extended warranties, um, even on electronics, if I go out and buy a big screen TV because the cabs are in the playoffs and I have a <laughs> feeling that this is your, their year and they're going to win it, um, and I go buy a big screen TV, they're... They're you know gonna want to sell me an extended warranty on it because you never know this this might uh, break well if I've done my research on the the TV I'm buying ahead of time, uh, I should be buying a pretty high quality TV and I should see the reviews out there saying that it it lasts a while mm-hmm. and maybe I don't want to get caught up in um, paying uh, for that you know those those are funds that I could use to. Uh, allocate to a life insurance policy on myself or a long-term care insurance policy or add to my savings account if I don't have uh, much of a buffer in there. Those are things that I I wouldn't spend money on. Uh, Another thing that I wouldn't spend money on, you know, people think that the American dream is home ownership, and it's really a status symbol as to how big your house is. Hmm. Uh, So they, they spend an awful lot of money on a house that they probably don't need all of that space. But It makes them look wealthy if they have rooms that they're not using. You know, well, we can have 10 people as guests come over to our house because we have the space. Right. And the likelihood of having 10 people as guests, you know, maybe once every three years it happens. Uh, Well, if that's the case, then they can, you know, get out air mattresses uh, and be uncomfortable for a day or two (laughs) when I've got 10 people over. I don't believe in having a palace. Hmm. You know, I want... I want a house because I don't I don't view a house as an asset. I view a house as a roof and I want enough that has space for my family uh to live together without necessarily being on top of one another. Right. But I I don't want I don't want different wings so that my 12-year-old daughter can disappear in the west wing of the house which might be you know a couple of rooms that she has where she can hibernate in. Um, and you never see her. I want, I want us to be forced to have to interact with one another, mm-hmm. and, and so much money gets allocated to a bigger house with all this space, um, and that's money that could be used for um, increased savings or it could be used to fund retirement, because uh, most of us are, are not prepared for retirement um, and are, are really underfunding uh, what we need to um, for uh, our retirement. Right. So those those are a, a couple of the things that I wouldn't spend much money on. But then it, I'm not Scrooge. We have to have money to spend things for fun. You know, what good is going to work every day and earning a living and paying off the mortgage and all of that if you're never allowed to have any discretionary funds? Mm-hmm. And, and what I what I encourage people to do is uh, one of two things. Uh, number one, buy gift cards, prepaid gift cards that uh, each month, if you um, re- refill it, if you're if you're a big fan of um, of Chipotle <laughs> or Starbucks, and you set in your budget that. Uh, you are going to allocate a hundred dollars to Chipotle or Starbucks a month right? and you go get a hundred dollar gift card. Well, you know, if it's the fifth of the month and you've already exhausted that gift card, well, then you got to wait again until the first and you reload it.
0: Hmm, I like that.
1: Um, it, it's much easier to track your expenses and to hold yourself accountable that way. Right. Um, My method that works for me is um, every Sunday I get an allowance, all right? And I uh, take cash out and I put it in my wallet, and that is my discretionary spending for the week. So if I'm driving my daughters to school in the morning uh, and they're sitting there saying, you know, oh, it would be so nice if we stopped at Dunkin' Donuts, uh, wouldn't that be great today, Dad? And I I look in my wallet, and if I have a hundred dollars cash and it's a Monday, then maybe I'm likely to do that. But let's say there's four dollars in cash in my wallet on a Thursday. Uh, you know th- that means I have to make a tough decision. Do I want to allocate the last four dollars I have to uh, Dunkin' Donuts to put a smile on their faces, or do I need to hold on to this? And it it causes me to make those cost benefit analysis um, you know, those decisions Mm -hmm. and, uh, hold myself accountable. And it, it really helps. Otherwise, um, you know, we have a debit card and, you know, we can stop at, uh, at Dunkin' Donuts in the morning and it's only $8. And then I can go to Chipotle or Moe's for lunch and it's $12. And then, you know, we're really not feeling like cooking. So we'll go out to dinner, (laughs) but we got to we got to make it cheap. So it's $18. Um, and before you know it, you've spent 30 or $40 that day. Right. And then that becomes a habit. And then you wonder, you know, at the end of the month, wow, my budget says that I should have a surplus of $2,000 a month, but I have $53 left. Mm. You know, why is that? Yeah. Well, because you haven't held yourself accountable, and it's very easy to just swipe your card and forget about it.
0: I think those are perfect examples. I'm just personally seeing and talking with people same kind of idea. Like you said, it's so easy with cards now to to just swipe and forget, and uh, I think those are wonderful specific examples that people can relate to that can sort of change their perspectives a little bit on the items you're talking about. Uh, So I think it does hit home for them. We're running out of time very quickly here, but I wanted to get to the last part of it. And that is that discussion on retirement. You alluded to it a couple times there. But as far as basic advice for your friends, if you guys were just chatting, what would you focus on in terms of retirement?
1: I would focus on as much discretionary um, income that we have currently being contributed to retirement. Okay. As much as possible. Uh, maxing out your contributions to your employer-sponsored 401k, or if you're self-employed, uh, creating a plan, whether it's an IRA or a simple or a individual 401k. Um, but you have to set aside money for retirement because eventually it's going to happen. Right. Um, you know, we have some control, whether it's 62 or age 66 or age 78, uh, we have some control over that. Uh, if we're working for someone else, they have a lot more control than we're willing to to recognize. But you have to set aside money for retirement. That is part number one. And, uh, you know, if, if I want a new cell phone, I can go to my cell phone provider and say, I need a new phone. I don't have money for it. Can you, can you help finance me along the way? Or uh, if my daughter's going off to college, I can take out loans to help finance that. But once I hit retirement, I can't borrow money for retirement. Mm-hmm. I walk into uh, my local bank and say, uh, "Hey, I'm here for a three hundred thousand dollar loan." Uh, well, what's the purpose of your loan? Well, I, I want to retire and I don't have any money, <laughs> uh, so I, I, I need you to hook me up with three hundred thousand for that. You know, they they might call security or they they might uh, politely ask me to leave, <laughs> but I'm not getting that loan. Right. Uh, so that that's number one. Number two is. Uh, circumstances and relationships change. So those retirement accounts that you have, be mindful of the beneficiary designations. So uh, I've seen situations where um, a friend has been married for 20 years and they get divorced and a couple of years later they get remarried uh, and they never change the beneficiary designations.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, a friend is involved in an accident. Uh, they lose their life and the beneficiary designation controls. Right. right? Nobody is going to interpret what you may have wanted to do but didn't get a chance to.
0: Hmm.
1: They're going to interpret what the beneficiary designation says. So uh, there are instances where um, a spouse, uh, it was a two-year marriage, uh, divorce, and then uh, the individual was married for 25 years after that. And they never change their beneficiary designation. Hmm. And the first spouse uh, receives the retirement account at death. So be mindful that you always have to go back and revisit your beneficiary designations because circumstances change. Now, a rule of thumb would be, uh, you know, when we, when we go on to daylight savings time where we set our clocks forward uh, or move our clocks back, what is that often a reminder to do? To change the batteries in our smoke alarm.
0: Sure. Yep.
1: All right. Same thing. So whether it's you know daylight savings time, or whether it's every wedding anniversary or every birthday, uh, you need to create a routine where you're revisiting those beneficiary designations um, and making sure that it's accurate with where you're at in your life. Failure to do so can really have devastating consequences.
0: Sure. Chuck, as always, uh, you know, some great practical pieces of advice there, as I said earlier, things that definitely hit home with our listeners. And, you know, I like the way you have phrased it from the beginning that, hey, if you yourself are talking with friends, these are the kind of things that should come up. And uh, as you mentioned, having that plan, thinking about things in a different perspective definitely will help in the long run. So we appreciate you bringing that perspective to us today. And uh, as always, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Tim.
0: That is all the time we have on this edition of Management Decisions. Once again, we are speaking with Chuck Conrad, Senior Financial Planner for Zarka Financial. If you want to get in touch with us about this or any of our shows, maybe you have some suggestions for future topics, send us an email, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter, at the LJN, and you can find all of our episodes on iTunes. Just search LJN Radio, and they'll all pop up right there for you. Thank you once again for listening. I'm Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.